Welcome to another episode of the Exploring Arts Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Jacob. I'm delighted to have James and Lucas here today uh, for the Exploring Arts Podcast. Today, we are placed in the shoes of a museum director and face an ethical dilemma regarding stolen art. We are given the opportunity to purchase an ancient Mayan sculpture for our museum's pre-Columbian collection. However, we realize that the sculpture was stolen and smuggled into the country. We must make the decision, either purchase the stolen art and break the law, or have the stolen art destroyed along with other pieces of priceless Mayan art. To begin, I would like to dive into pre-Columbian history and the art that they created for the education of future generations. Uh, Pre-Columbian history refers to the people who lived south of the United States border before Christopher Columbus and, uh, arrived in 1492. Some well-known pre-Columbian civilizations are the Aztecs, the Inca, and the Mayans. Um, Pre-Columbian culture was primarily based on millennialism, belief at that the end of the world was coming. Uh, human sacrifice was a regular practice to ensure that they ascended to the heavens. Their gods were depicted as terrifying monsters that are pleased by blood and human torture slash sacrifice. Um, the end uh, to pre-Columbian culture uh, came when the Spanish arrived and uh, forced their religious beliefs onto um, the Mayans and uh, the Aztecs. Um, and they also went to uh, take their uh, treasure and land as well. Um, the Mayans began when the civilization, when the civilians started growing maize in the pre-classical period. Uh, before they were just hunters and gatherers. Different Mayans were known to speak several different languages, including Yucatec, Quiche, Kekchi, Mopan, Spanish, and English. Uh, Mayans were located in southern Mexico and into Central America. Um, Mayans believed in, I'm not sure how to pronounce this word, but I believe it's Ka, uh, which is the belief that something is divine or sacred. They believed the universe was made up of Kab, uh, the visible earth, and Khan, the sacred land above. They believed, they also believed that caves were entryways to the underworld. Uh, one material that was used often was gold. It was used to make pendants and crowns that was worn by royalty. Um, their important leaders were also uh, buried with their precious belongings. Um, amethyst and emeralds were also used to decorate the art. And uh, feathers were used to show royalty and importance to the one wearing it and also connect them uh, closer to their god. Um, terracotta was used to create ceramics. Uh, stone was used to create small scale models of temples that they were building. And jade was used to create art that protected their crops and was associated with their maize god. Um, uh, here is a uh, feather um mask that was used it was likely worn by a leader and those uh feathers like previously stated uh connect them closer to uh god mayan entities the mayan worship different gods and goddess with these gods playing an important role in all aspects of life there were eight main mayan gods and goddess please excuse me if i butcher their names Izama, he was the creator god, Yak, the rain god, Yum Kayaks, the nature god, Hanabku, the one god, Inks, Chill, 
the goddess of medicine and childbirth, Kinik Ahua, the sun god, Ek Kajon, merchant identity and god of Koko, Kulaku Ken, the serpent god, and Apunch, the death god. Izama was the Mayan creator god. They believe that he gave many valuable discoveries such as cultivation of corn, the creation of calendars and writing, and the discovery of Mayan medicine. It is thought that his name means lizard house. More generally, Izama was worshiped as the god of wisdom and teaching. Kayak, was the Mayan god of rain, lightning, and storms. He often represented holding jade axes and snakes that he uses to throw at clouds and produce rain. His actions assured the growth of Mayas and other crops in general, as well as maintaining the natural cycles of life. Kunkats was a god of wild plants and animals that were important to hunters. Such at, as such, he grants protection of the fields against intrusions of the wild nature him, he himself represents. This type of ditty is also found in, among indigenous peoples of North America. Unku is an ancient Mayan symbol that represents the joining of opposites. Hua means one standing of being and Ku means God. Ixchil is the sun god of Maya culture. He was also re represented by a jaguar, eagle, or deer animals that dictated power. Ek Chua, the black scorpion was a merchant deity and also the god of Coco. He was dictated as black and white or entirely black and carrying a bundle of merchandise on his back. Smoke dart. A museum in Boston purchased 138 pieces of ancient Mayan art. Mayan, excuse me. It was discovered that this art was stolen and smuggled into America from Guatemala. Guatemala insisted that the artwork be returned because there was no permit but the museum refused due to American laws allowing them to keep it. Guatemala insisted that the art be returned because of its religious and historical value. The museum chose not to care and refused to turn the art, which led to ban on imports of such art into the United States. I just wanted to quickly say something. Uh, smuggled art is, is actually very, very famous. Like it's, it's done a lot. Actually, it's, uh, it's another form of stolen art which is also called uh, art theft or art napping, if anyone didn't know. Interesting. Um, 
what would y'all do in that situation uh, if you were placed in the uh, position of the uh, museum director in, in that one, the Boston Museum director? Personally, I would have uh, not kept it. Uh, you know, if if once the the law interferes, then yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't refuse. You know, I'd, I wouldn't do anything illegal if it's gonna you know ban me from doing something. Yeah, me personally, I would have definitely purchased and kept the art pieces because they're artificial. They're they're artifacts that shows history of cultures, and as a museum, that's essentially what you provide to the public. So I would like to make my museum as educational as possible. That is true. Yeah, I do agree with that too. You know, there's always that side of the the argument, but it's it really just depends on what an individual will do because once uh like I said, the line to fears it kinda it can even shut down the whole museum, you know. So it's either fifty fifty chance, really. Yeah, Real quick, this, oh, I'm sorry, Jacob, just to explain no, this. This is just an example of a, a very famous Mayan stolen art. You can proceed now. What would you do, Jacob? Um, yes, I would actually, uh, um, if it's, if I, depending on the price that I purchased it for, um, if it's like too expensive to give back um, to, uh, you know, the, the actual owners of it, I would definitely try to return it. But um, I think if that's not a possibility due to like financially, um, I would definitely keep it uh, in the museum and uh, take that risk because it, it's better than, um, you know, art, art being destroyed or being sold to a different person that's going to do the same thing. Yeah, well, that is true. I mean, stolen art is worth a lot. I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, I do know that the the Mona Lisa was stolen, and it was like I think it was recovered around 1913 or other. Um, but this this artwork was worth around 700 million dollars. You know, the, these these pieces of stolen art are worth a lot. Another example that I can give you uh, would probably be the I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but the scream, which is you know, she has like the the open mouth. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the scream was also stolen. It was stolen twice, I think. I think it was around nine, on 1994, I think. Yeah, 1994, it was stolen and returned. But then it got stolen again in, uh, if I'm not incorrect, when I was born in 2004, and it was recovered in 2006. But like I said, at the time, that that piece of artwork was worth around 110 million, you know. And so mm -hmm. these pieces are worth a lot. And this is which is one of the main reasons why stolen art is, like I said in the beginning, famous and happens a lot without people noticing. It's like it gives so, it more value, like because there's a story behind it and it was stolen. That, that is true, right? Uh, yeah. it, it like makes it more important because you know a lot of people thought it was lost, so I feel like it makes it even more in demand. So just to comment off of what you said, Jacob, you said you return the art to the person that was stolen from but how can you verify that it was the art that they stole from them that's um that's pretty true um i guess you could see if they have like because you have to get like um I don't, I don't know if it's licensing is the right word but you have to get um like it approved that you purchased the art so authentication? Uh, you can't just purchase it uh, i i've done some research on it it said uh something about um 
like you you should have like a like a contract almost saying that you purchased the expensive pieces of uh, art because of how important they are to the culture. So I believe like they didn't have like yeah, basically like a receipt. Um, you go to auctions for this. Like, is this like a black market kind of? Purchase? I have no idea. <laughs> I doubt it. Sure. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, there there probably is some artwork you know where you can do that, but pieces like you know the Mona Lisa and the Scream, I, I don't think so. Those pieces are are very valuable, and but besides that, uh, those are pieces that I don't even think they they're sold. You know, at least in, I wouldn't sell them. If I had them in my museum, I would not sell it. <laughs> yeah, understandable. I don't know about you guys. Would you guys sell a, a Mona Lisa or the Scream if you guys had it? It's got museum? so much history. I feel like it adds um a lot of importance to the museum if you are a director so you're if you right. have mona lisa in your possession you're very likely going to have a lot of people coming in especially if you're in an area that around has the world too yeah no but okay well let me ask you this in general would you have stolen art pieces in your museums any of you jacob or uh, james yes uh that's why i said i would definitely have stolen art pieces in my museum just to- i feel I feel like it's uh, like wrong, like morally a little bit, but at least you're not destroying it or like making a mockery of it or anything yeah. like that. Like you are putting it on display for people to be educated by it, which was the original purpose of the Mayan sculptures and artwork. It was yeah, but you have a point. generations of their, you know, their gods and th- their history. Well, besides that, um, even if uh, if it wasn't displayed or, you know, the law had it or the cops or whatever had it i feel like they would probably get destroyed or something like that you know which would make it even worse because maybe people wanted to see it or you know so my question about the law side is right how effective is this law because there's museums right now with stolen artifacts in it that is well known these are well-known stolen artifacts and the museums aren't closing down these museums are public museums so who who at that point is going to get in trouble for holding these artists? i feel like there has to be some there has to be something there most, where most museums are owned by either the state or the federal government or stuff like that it's yeah. not a private it's, it's rarely that you see private museums you know so that is... this is like america holding stuff away from the other cultures you know it's not it's not me holding it you know like we're we're at levels of power where we have this stolen art we're not going to jail for it yeah I, that does make sense i mean there has to be something there where um the museum like kind of comes in agreement with the law where they can't take the the piece away there has to be something you know kind of like a middleman there in my opinion, obviously, uh, I don't. I don't know. A exactly. lot of this, a lot of this stolen art from doing research is protected once it gets in the hands of the museum by the government. You know, that's what like they have to come to agreements on national levels to return the art. It's not just hey, I'm Frank. Let me give this art back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not on that level anymore. Yeah, of course. And different like uh, countries have different laws and stuff like that too. Like well, yeah, that is in the case of the the Guatemalan case, their laws were different from the United States laws at the time. So the stolen piece of art they were actually allowed to keep um, yeah. due to 
the American laws being different than the Guatemalan laws. Uh, I believe I believe I read that there um, was a ban that was put on that uh, after that incident that uh, kind of wow. is trying to, even though there still is smuggled art that's still being sold, um, it's, it is put there to like kind of prevent it, even if it's not super effective. Well, that is true. I mean, I, I kind of also thought just then, what if uh, a museum comes up with, for example, you know how the Mona Lisa was stolen? What if the uh, Mona Lisa was sold to that museum without anybody knowing, and then they just put it in display as if it was like kind of just found or something like that? No, I then, didn't know when this Mona Lisa stolen. The Mona Lisa. Yeah, That's I know, but, but what if it got stolen or quote unquote, it, it got lost or something, you know? Like, they can always lie about it too. It's kind of hard. I feel like with something something that's worth that much, it's kind yeah, of hard to just yeah, you gotta, lose it. Like you're not gonna just lose the Mona Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, you never know. It probably fell out of your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear pods, bro. <laughs> yeah, you never know, bro. Yeah. But um, uh, to conclude this, uh, we can go ahead and go on to our uh, question part of the uh, discussion. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, th this is basically just to refresh everyone's minds on uh, what we've gone over today. Um, uh, what importance does pre-Columbian art hold? Um, if either of y'all want to uh, answer that, if not, I can. Um, I mean, yeah, you can you can answer. Yeah, I'll go and answer that one. Uh, what importance does pre-Columbian art hold? So, um, a lot of their art, uh, as we stated before, is uh, based off of um, what they believe in religiously. Uh, there's a lot of sculptures um, that we showed in the slideshow that depict uh, their gods. Um, they also hold a lot of historical value. Um, it was known that. Uh, a lot of pre uh, Mayan art uh, specifically was made to um, teach future generations about them. Uh, along with this, the Mayans also um, invented the calendar, um, which was actually, uh, it, it was used all the way up until 2012, even though it was created uh, thousands of years ago. So of course, yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry, James. Just real quick, uh, I know in the Mayans. I don't know if you had mentioned it, but I kind of just wanted to briefly mention it in this uh, uh, podcast, real quick. If you guys didn't know, Mayans made temples together, and in those temples, uh, there were held like ceremonies and sacrifices that took place in them. You know, mainly for like religious reasons. I don't know if you guys knew that, but so example of those temples are back here, kids. Who is ever watching this wants to see one, for example. Right. Like in there, you would have like sacrifices, uh, you know, with their ceremonial costumes, which like included feather work with feather mask. And so they they kind of were big on religion. Yeah. And their um their leaders were also, uh, I believe I stated this earlier, were uh, buried with their uh, wealthy belongings like gold and uh, jewelry and treasure and stuff like that inside of those uh, temples. Right. Right. 
So a question I came up with was what type of materials was used to make mine art? Well, I mean, kind of like what Jacob said, you know, feathers was one of the main ones. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys included this one, but I know that they used to do like metalworking. Uh, they used to do weaving as well. You know, mainly uh, ceremonial costumes were, were the, the main uh, base on their art. So a few things they used was gold, emeralds, feathers, like you mentioned, terracotta stone jade honestly these this was a creative group of people who really use the environment to create art and their resources around them they didn't they wasn't really limited to what they would use they would use anything seem fit to express their culture or express knowledge in their beliefs um they would also in uh, some of their artworks would uh put in hieroglyphs and uh this was used to like um, communicate. Uh, they, uh, the Mayans in particular were actually uh, the first pre-Columbian uh, civilization to actually develop uh, a full language to be able to communicate with each other. Right, they used to uh, have their own writing as well. That's why they were so good at uh, working together and building things together because they kind of had their own like language and uh, writing. Um, along with like the artwork that they made on their uh, deities, there's also uh, several animals um, that are used to depict certain different things. Uh, snakes um, were actually believed to have the ability to travel between our realm and the underworld. Um, and they're seen on many pieces of uh, Mayan art. Um, they also uh, made artwork on the jaguar, which uh, represented strength and bravery. The eagle, which was divine and was uh, believed to be able to travel to the heavens. Um, a the common form of Mayan art was uh, referred to as zoomorphs, and uh, they would shape uh, sandstone into the shape of different animals. Um, one in particular that's a, a unique sculpture to pre-Columbian uh, culture is uh, Kalima dogs. Um, Kalima dogs were like a little sculpture. Um, the fatter ones were used to uh, kind of like bring upon the hope of a uh, more food source um, and sometimes would even feature a, a piece of corn in the dog's mouth because uh, they were known for growing maize. And uh, the regular ones were used as a guardian of death, um, a healer and a watchdog. They also used a uh, stone as well um, to create like small scale models of the temples that uh, we showed previously as well. Uh, right. But, so I have a question. Just one last question. Let me go to the slide before I. Yeah, it's gonna be the last question. So after all the deities, which one do you guys? Which one would you guys want to be? That's my question. Would it or would be? Would want to be. That represents. Would want to be. Here's a list of the main eight reading this list which guys which one do you think will best represent you guys if you had to pick um i don't know how to pronounce it uh but <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even gonna try it's the one that ends with uh k-a-a-x uh yep. the nature god um, yeah. i've always i've you always gotta try it. you gotta try it 
I'm, <laughs> I, forget, young I forget how James pronounced it earlier, man. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna try. But uh, <laughs> basically, I would be that one because um, it's the nature god, and I've always felt really close to nature. I'm an animal person. Uh, I like plants. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's. I would uh I would probably pick uh the sun god, which is Kenich Ahu. Uh, this reason might not be the best reason, but I really like going to the beach. So, uh, <laughs> I'd probably be the sun god. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be the, the nature god too? Because you're out of nature? Technically, yeah. I mean, you know, or the rain mean? god. The, How about the one, god in general? <laughs> the, the one interesting thing about the sun god, what he actually represented was the jaguar, eagle, and deer, which... It was a dictation of power. So hey, there it is. Power baby. If if I had to pick one, I would pick the 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 merchant did it, I don't know how to pronounce his name, the Ik Kwaja, the merchant deity of the god of Coco, because he was represented as like honestly a hustler, if you my eyes, you know, he 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 was Worked for his uh yeah he was like an entrepreneur right way I view him you know and that's how I yeah, got myself hustler, hustler. yeah you know, he tries to get things done yeah. I was interested in what God of Coco meant but that makes sense Coco as in so Coco means like they use cocoa beans as a way of a source of income they would trade them and that's why he's the god of cocoa because he's like a merchant he always has something on him to sell or you know bargain Right. That's cool. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, is there any other questions that uh, y'all would like to ask? Um, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything else to ask. I kinda, I think we went over what I wanted to know about. I'm great on this up. Do we agree to a conclusion on the case study? Uh, what would we, what would we do as a, as a group? I think we just stick with it, right? We we uh we uh keeping the piece of art. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's a that's probably the best thing. You know, we don't want it to go to waste or anything like that. So. Alrighty, well, uh, thank you so much for joining uh, us today, James and Lucas. I appreciate it. Uh, this includes our Exploring Art podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious.